Welcome to the Dad Work Podcast. Today's guest is my friend, Tim Dick. We talk about bridging the gap as a leader between the workplace and the home, creating clarity at home to create space to focus on your family, how to stay present with your kids, starting a business to optimize get-to-dos instead of have-to-dos, choosing your parenting experience like you choose your job, grieving a miscarriage, and how and why to apologize to your kids when you screw up. This is a fun conversation. I've known Tim for over 10 years now, and it's just been a fantastic experience watching him grow into the man and the father he is today. Tim Deck is a proud girl dad and the owner of Best Interview Coaching Services in Fort McMurray. Tim is committed to making sure people are fulfilled by what they do by helping job seekers and employers effectively use interviews to do so. His efforts in this field were recognized as the recipient of the Bowie Sustainable Leadership Award during his time with Diversified Transportation. He also received the Council Commendation Wildfire Medal for assisting in the evacuation of Fort McMurray during the 2016 wildfire. Tim's values were fundamentally shaped by his time working at Walt Disney World in Orlando, where he learned how hiring people right can create an incredible workplace culture. Hope you enjoy this episode and get a lot out of it. This is amazing just to hear Tim's perspective. He's a very calm and grounded father. And from that, we will jump right in. Let's go. All right. Welcome, Tim Dick, to the Dad Work Podcast. I'm excited to have you on. We've been friends for going on over 10 years now. And uh, this is an exciting space to have you as a dad of two. So could you tell us how old are your kids these days? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, exciting to kind of see you grow. Uh, obviously I've been, I've been there with you since your very first was born. Um, and, uh, it's been so cool to watch you grow and kind of see you branch out into this work to help other dads. Cause it's, it's something that is, there needs to be more of it. Um, and more dads just need that support. So I, I I'm very happy to see you doing this and you're the perfect person to do it. Um, my little girls, I got two little girls. One is two years and 10 months old. So she'll be three in September. And then I have another one that is just about to turn six months old. So uh, I'm a little bit behind you in experience. <laughs> That's all right. You have yeah. so much experience as well with uh, with your niece, which I think we'd like to talk about today yeah. just because there's such a connection there that I've witnessed. Um, but I wanted to maybe start off with uh, your expertise. You're going through sure. a professional transition right now. And when we right. chatted before the podcast, you mentioned that um, one of the things you have been thinking about is parenting as leadership. And so I just want to let you set the stage for what comes to mind when you were t- telling me about that. And then we'll dive into the specifics. Yeah, for sure. So I, one of the things is that I've really learned from somebody that really mentored my career um, over the years. It was actually... Um, Although he never directly mentored me and he never realized it. Uh, It's an old leader from my time when I worked at Disney. And he's often said that the most important leadership job that you can ever have is parenting. And the other thing that he's often said is that when you are a leader in the business space, that you should manage like a mother. And so when, when I say that parenting is an important leadership job, the temptation for a lot of people might be to say, well, to start treating your kids like boardroom colleagues, business people. What it really means is that you should be treating the people that you work with as a business leader the same way you would treat your kids. It actually doesn't mean to bring necessarily some of all the business stuff home. It means to bring some of that home style to business, right? And that doesn't mean, it means leading with a lot of empathy. It means leading, you know, I mean, you need to be firm, but obviously you don't need to be 
Um, I think the term I like to use is assertive kindness. Like you should be assertively kind when you need to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, obviously parenting is the most important leadership job that you can have because it's the one that's most likely to leave the biggest legacy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what does that look like for you as a leader at home? What are, you mentioned empathy, which I think is huge. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that is in the sort of core fundamentals of, um, how I parent, but what else can you bring, um, either from the home into the business or, the other way around as a leader in the business, mm -hmm. how can someone actually let's go there. How can someone who's a leader in business flip that and become a leader in their home? What are the things that you have done? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Cause I think as much as I was saying, you know, before that, this is more about bringing the right leadership style, like leading, like um, managing like a mother um, is about bringing that type of leadership into the workplace. Um, and the statement about leadership being the most important job, or sorry, parenting being the most important leadership job that you have is to make sure that um, you're actually acting like a leader at home as well. I think there's two different applications. So, um, or I think that there's applications back and forth, right? So when I think about taking it from the home to the workplace, when managing like a mother, um, what that means is, are you leading people in the workplace with the same empathy that you'd want to see your children led with? Right. And I think that one of the things too to think about is that it isn't just about how you would want your children to be treated when you need to parent them. It's um, how would you want other people to treat your kids when you're not around? Because our, our standard is higher for other people than it is for ourselves. Right. And it doesn't mean just being their friend, as you know, it means leading with empathy. So, when I think about taking that approach from home into the workplace is, are you doing the same with the people that you work with? Now, the things that you can bring from the workplace to home are lots and lots of different things in a way that is actually um, going to be really helpful for your family. So the biggest thing that I think of is um, if you are managing properly in the workplace, you're going to be thinking about hiring people right first, training them right, and treating them right. And so what are you doing from a training perspective in the home, right? Um, you know, and in a way that just sets them up to succeed, sets them up to, to know and recognize things for themselves. You know, how are you planning for things in the home, right? What's your financial plan? What's your emergency plan, right? So one of the things that, you know, we now think of is having spent time in Fort McMurray during the wildfire. Okay, so what do we know as a family to be prepared? Right. Um, two nights ago, uh, there was a tornado watch in our community and I'm not um, I was away. I'm out of town. And when I called my wife and I said to her, I said, oh, if there is a tornado, what are we doing? Well, we already knew which room in the house that we're going to, how to react, all that stuff. So it's all those different things about just like preparing, bringing that home. Um, and, and I think it works both ways. Right. I think that that there are things that you can bring home from work that help. There are things that you can take. Um, to work from home that are going to make a huge impact on people. And the biggest and most overarching principle is being able to view people that you deal with, frankly, not just as people that you deal with, that they're people, they're not objects, right? They matter to you. Uh, and those relationships matter. And if you focus on that first, I think a lot of times, I don't think, I know a lot of times that, well, there's a lot of gray area in how you fill that in, you'll actually end up, if that's your true north, that you'll do just fine. Yeah. And um, one thing that came to mind as you were talking there is that you have 
very clearly delineated projects at work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes after workday, particularly for someone who identifies a lot with being a good worker, a manager, uh, they come home and it's a little bit aimless. They might not have a personal care routine. They might not exercise on schedule. They might not have a very clear parenting style. And so as a manager at work, as a leader at work, how have you, um, or, or have you, I should ask, looked at things at home in a project sort of way? Oh, wow. Um, there's a few different things. But you know what? I, I just kind of want to circle back a little bit to the first question because I forgot one of the best things that I've ever heard about this is that there are a lot of leaders, right, that will, they know that at the workplace they need to show up a certain way, right? They put in a lot of time and they put in a lot of effort, right, um, into trying to be an effective leader in the workplace, being professional, being kind, what have you, right? Um, asking questions. I mean, there's there's a million different ways that people can show up, right, at the workplace that that might be considered effective or, or professional or what have you. Um, but then when they get home, when it comes to leadership, their family gets the crumbs, right? And probably the best advice I ever received about this was making sure that your family doesn't just get the crumbs. So that's another way that, it depends on who you are, right? There, I mean, if you're somebody that puts in a lot of time and effort on showing up properly in the workplace and being there for people and being present um, and leading people with empathy, but then you come home and you give people the crumbs, then, um, right, what's left, right? Because you think that, well, work day is over. It's time to relax. And yeah, you need to relax. Like you can't work all the time, but you have to make sure that when you're doing that, you're showing up to your family, right? And you're being a good leader and you're doing the same things effort-wise that you would do there. On a project perspective, um, let me think, there's a few different things that have kind of come to mind. So, you know, home improvements, right? How do you think about those? How do you prioritize them? How do you, because, I mean, you probably know this, on any given day, you can look around your house and find a million things that you perceive as wrong. And it'll drive you crazy to think about, um, you know, it all has to be fixed now, right? Like it's, and you'll, and you'll never get any time with your family or your kids if you take that approach. But, you know, when I think about projects and, and completing them in the workplace, it's a matter of um, identifying where your needs are and saying, okay, so which ones are going to get the biggest impact for us and how do we deal with them? And then you look at your budget and same type of thing. You can make a list of things that you need to want or you want to do in the home um, and you can just prioritize based on impact and cost and budget and all that stuff and just have some more peace of mind by having a plan, right? Another really good principle that's helped my wife and I when it comes to projects or kind of bringing some of that that stuff from work back to home is kind of trying to create clarity around our finances, right? So we know every time or every month kind of like what our budget is and what we're doing with it and what's left and, and all this stuff. And the benefit to that is that the conversations that we can have because that clarity is there are not always about money. And that can be pretty tiring if you always have to talk about money, right? So we know what we're doing. We know who can do what. You know, I know how much I budgeted just for fun or whatever. Um, she knows the same. And great, like we don't have to talk about money every day. We can talk about how our days were, how our kids were. We don't have to stress out about it. We can, we know where we stand and we know what we, we can and can't do. 
And then we make a point of any time that our financial situation might change, good or bad, we sit down and re, we, okay, let's figure this out again, right? Where does this look? How do we know? So we have that clarity all the time. And I don't have to be stressed out if she says, oh, or she doesn't have to be stressed out either. If I say, oh, I went and bought this really stupid thing today. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I find that those types of things, like those are two huge areas that have kind of made, um, that have created peace of mind around things that can be highly stressful for a lot of people. Right. And, and I think the, um, the underlying principle that I'm getting from the things you've just said is that when you prioritize something as boring or as simple as budget or home improvements, it then allows you to have a more clear relationship with your family. Yeah. Because when you're not thinking about, oh, I got to do all these home improvements and you know you have a plan, then there, like you said, there's time to spend with the kids. And when you don't have to have these conversations because you know where your finances are, you can enjoy your wife, you can enjoy your kids. And so I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, some of these things, guys are going to be going like, well, yeah, but I just go home and then like, I'll just deal with it later. Mm-hmm. And it's not that important to my parenting, which is sort of what we're talking about here. And I think it's extremely, extremely important to your parenting uh, to have that space to parent rather than having all the home things mush up into this like weird home life balance where you don't actually do anything intentionally. So have you found then that you're able to spend like really meaningful time with your kids and with your wives, with your wife, pardon me at home. And, and what does that look like for you? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, if the, as you're mentioning it, Kurt, one thing I'm thinking is that the best piece of, of I'm going to say best piece of advice huh, a lot today, a really good other piece of advice that I've gotten um, is clarity is king. Right. And so it's all about creating clarity and, a lot of people don't do the hard work on creating that clarity because it's work, right? And what ends up happening as well is that sometimes when you create that clarity, then you get in your mind that you should never have to create clarity again. But really what it does is that you've got a base level of clarity. And so what's going to happen next is as you seek more clarity, you're going to keep seeking clarity at a higher level every time. And so it's just different questions that get asked and clarity that gets sought. And because making something clear once doesn't just end any need to make things clear. People say, well, what's the point? But the thing is, is that it's just like building your house, right? Um, as you lay each brick, if you have a brick house, it begets noon to lay more bricks. And after you're done that, it begets having to maintain it. And so um, if you just take the mindset, well, I'm not going to do any of that because it's just, it's just work. Well, you're going to have nothing, Right. And so a lot of people don't do that at home. And the other thing too, is that talk about getting the crumbs of leadership. People just think, um, I'm not at work right now, so I'm not going to use work knowledge or work wisdom or work practices. And, uh, and I think that, you know, if you build a foundation of clarity, then it's just going to, you can build on top of that every single time. And, and I guess to tie it back to the, the question, having that clarity allows you to be more fully in the moment with your family because you know when those you know already know you're already clear on a lot of stuff that could be in your head or cause you grief or your mind could bring up on you and you might have to say well okay that's great i already know what's happening because we created clarity on this and it allows you to be more in the moment and more present because you know 
where you stand on these things. And then you also know when your opportunities are to make more clarity or to create more clarity. So you don't have to sit there stressing out about it. It's just, I know that, you know, once a week, once a month or whatever, I'm going to think more about this stuff and get more clear about even more things. So long story short, I think, yeah, it, it I know it, it helps you be way more in the moment with your family to have that clarity for sure. Yeah. And it's so interesting that there's even a perceived difference in leadership in the, in the workplace and the home. Um, because like the, there just seems to be the same thing, the way you're talking about it, leadership in the home and leadership in, in business seems to be the same thing. You're bringing right. empathy and kindness while also then bringing the other side of projects and management and getting things done to get clarity so that you can be mindful and enjoy those moments. Um, and another thing that I think is really important here is maybe if you haven't already, as a, as a father, I find this is somewhat common if you're paying a little bit of attention, but it's a little bit easier to deal with people because you've had the experience. I think Joe Rogan says this, you have the experience of knowing each person you come across was once a tiny little baby mm. and they're just, a, they're just a grown up baby now. And so if you know what that's like having a baby at home, it's suddenly, if you can just go, oh yeah, every single person comes out like this, perfect, without a worry in the world, absolutely you know, molded by the environment they're in, it can help with that empathy as well. And I like that you touched on that before. Totally. Yeah. Kids, kids are perfect until we screw them up, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's a really blunt way of putting it, but it's true. I mean, it's, and it's not to say that we're awful screw up people because we were once somebody's baby. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's just that self-awareness helps with that. So you are now launching a new business and this yeah. might be sort of the, the last bit of the leadership um, part of the conversation before sure. we get into sort of your story and, and parenting. Yeah. Um, but to bring it back to parenting, how are you finding the management of making this decision right. and then moving forward with it? Because I know there are a ton of guys out there who are in a job and want to do something for themselves and either A, feel like it's too selfish to take all the time to set up a business or B, simply have no idea where to start. So if you mm -hmm. could maybe just tell us a little bit about the story that you're going through right now, starting a new business and making the decision to leave your company where you've been for quite a while yeah. and maybe just like how all of that balances then with the family aspect. Yeah. I mean, okay. Oh man, this is a big one. Uh, how do I, I'm trying to think about where to start because um, there's a lot to say about it. Um, well, what was the impetus for wanting to start the business in the first yeah, place? A few, a few things like, so here's, the, here's a great gift that you can give to your family every day. And, and I'd like your input on this, but um, you know, I think about when you, when you work, right there's two types of tasks that you do every day. There's the stuff that you get to do and there's the stuff that you have to do. Right. And when the get to do's come up, um, it's like, you don't like, it doesn't feel like work. It's like, yeah, I'll do that. I have no issue with that. That'd be great. I'd love to do that. I that's, you like to do it. It's a get to do for you. The have to do's are the things that when they come up, you're just dreading it. As soon as you see it on your agenda, you're like, Oh, great. Like, this is fantastic. I don't really want to do this. And so, I mean, the simple truth is this, is that there's likely no situation that you can find where every single thing that you do is a get to do, not at home, not at work, anywhere. But can you create a situation where there's more get to do's than have to do's? If you can do that, then that's the answer. Um, so for me, like professionally, I was just finding that 
you know, the roles that I was involved in. And, and in the last year, I've had two different roles at my company. They just, for me, they began to feel more like have to do's. It doesn't mean it's a bad job, but our have to do's for me are get to do's for other people, right? And so if I think about how I can show up for my family, if I have a career that is um, focused more on get to do's and have to do's, what a gift I can give them, right? Because um, my mindset when I'm at home isn't like it's, I just, I'll have more energy, right? Um, when there's things that you like to do, you're receiving something from it and you have so much more to give to people and in giving you receive. And so when you're energized like that, um, you can do the same for your family at home as well. So long story short, I realized that there was an opportunity for me to think about doing more get to do's than have to do's. And um, so I started thinking about what that would look like. And one of the things that personally I'm really passionate about is something that actually is really scary for a lot of people. And that's kind of interviewing, right? And recruiting and people selection. And it's scary for both sides of the table. It's scary, obviously, for the job seeker um, because, right, you want to get the job, you're nervous, you're stressed, your income is affected by it. There's so many different things that scare people. Um, about the job search. Is your resume good? Am I applying the right way? Am I showing up in the interview? And what a lot of people don't realize is that it's equally scary for employers because it's like, oh, my reputation is on the line, so am I picking the right people? Because if I don't, right, um, for people who care about it anyway. So so I started a business um, where I coached people to get ready for interviews. And from there, it grew into saying, well, if you're coaching people on how to get ready for interviews, then why aren't you helping businesses also recruit? Um, why aren't you helping businesses with um, outplacement support? So that's like when when you have to part ways with somebody, a lot of businesses will hire somebody to help that person with their transition, to help them with their job search, to help them find a job where there's more get to do's than have to do's. Um, and so the business has grown from there and it's called Best Interview Coaching Services because it started all around interviews. We're actually going to be going through a rebrand in the next couple of months because we're adding things like recruiting for businesses so to, so to help you hire the right person. Um, we're adding that outplacement support I was telling you about. So if a company needs to part ways with somebody, I'll actually come there and help coach the leader on how to be effective in that meeting and then also receive the affected person right away. So that way they don't have to go home scared. I mean, they're going to anyway, but not as scared because there's somebody there and the transition starts now, right? We're going to help you find a fulfilling career beginning now. Um, so, and that's kind of where the business went and that's where, that's an area where I, I identified that I had a lot to give to people. Um, I, I spent some time early in my career working for Disney and I was really lucky to do that. Really fortunate. And probably the biggest takeaway from my time there is that if you use the tools of the interview and recruiting tools, well, you can really truly create a culture where good, you know, like most of the people there are just feeling fulfilled by what they do. It's a good place to be. People grow and people thrive. And you can use these tools to help job seekers find that for themselves. And you can use it to find employers or to help employers find the right people who are going to feel fulfilled by what their work is. So I started the business doing that. And what kind of was the biggest catalyst is that because of the um, economic reality my company had to announce uh, some salary rollbacks um, about a year and a bit ago. And my wife um, 
we're trying, we wanted her to be able to stay at home with our girls and stuff like that. And so I started the business a little bit quicker then so that way I can make some income uh, to make that easier for her to do. And it's just kind of grown to the point where, you know, it's at a crossroads, right? It's either going to get bigger, it's going to stay the way it is. So I just thought, you know what, let's go and, and take a jump and do those get to do's every day. And so, um, yeah, so in the next month, I'm going to be more in my business. And then and then a couple of months after that, I'm going to be completely in my business. So it's kind of, it's scary, but it's exciting. Like, I don't feel bad about it at all. Like, it feels pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. I love hearing stories like that. I've been doing yeah. it for, I think, a, almost nine years now. Um, yes. And it's just... It's, uh, yeah, it's just such an inspiring thing to hear other people doing it uh, if you're in that job that you don't like. And you know what? This was absolutely not going to be like this long plug or anything like that, but this is actually a perfect opportunity for anybody looking for those get-to-dos uh, to reach out. So we'll, we'll yeah. get your um, your website at the end of the interview here oh, sure. um, so people can can find that because, yeah, like it's such a gift to give to your family to come home both energized and to be able to set that schedule a little bit more uh, than you can with an employer. Do you want to hear something crazy? Absolutely. Over 80% of people right now are like their days are dominated by have to do's and get to do's. 80% of people do not feel fulfilled by the work that they do. Mm. And it's because there's a few reasons for it. Um, some of it's generational, right? I mean, some of it's just, well, you have a job, you're happy with the job, be happy you have a job, right? Because the baby boomer generation just coming out of the war, it was like that. There's a lot of scarcity. But for a lot of people, it's because we, we lie to ourselves a little bit and tell ourselves, well, it's called work for a reason. It was never supposed to be fun. And um, I'm not saying that if you're in the right job, it's just sunshine and rainbows and lollipops and fun all day long. There's still a lot of hard work that you have to do to get good at it. But it just doesn't have to be like that either, you know, it can be fulfilling for you. So it's scary. And um, recently coming out of the pandemic, over 40% of the workplace right now is thinking about resigning their jobs. And what I think, and there's been tons of workplace surveys done on this uh, in North America, somewhere between 40 and 50%. And we'll see how many people actually do, because a lot of times people get ideas about that and they don't follow through. But for, for whatever, there's many good reasons for that. But my point is this, is that I think that this generation, this group of people is beginning to wake up to that and saying, but it doesn't have to feel like this. I don't have to be in a job that doesn't bring me fulfillment just because it's a job. And I think it'll be interesting in five years time to, to, to see if that number is still over 80% of people who don't really, yeah, and if they use this as an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been thinking this myself is that the future in our generation and younger, they're not going to have jobs. They're all going to be freelancers of some sort. They're going to yeah. find something they love to do that they can do anywhere. And then they'll just, you know, they'll have a, a bunch of different employers in like a freelance role or they'll start their own businesses. Um, and, and that's actually, I mean, that can change your life as a parent. If you don't hate uh, 80% of your week or whatever it is that you spend thinking about work, involved in work. But what it came to mind as well is that this is kind of like parenting too. Like a lot of okay. people out there just go like, oh, you know, it's so hard. The kids are whatever. And they complain. And it's like, well, it's just parenting. But it's not. Like there's a very intentional way that you can parent, that you can be a father that recognizes where it sucks, much like you would in a job 
which is like, okay, what are the things that I love to do? The things that I get to do? What are the things I have to do? And separating those out and then optimizing for the get to do's, even within your own family can be game changer because there's not one set way. And if you're not happy as a parent, then the work starts with you and there is work to be done. So that kind of segues me into like, what did your last five years look like? Because when we saw each other last, uh, yeah. I think it was before you had your first child. And yeah. I had seen you interacting with a niece who yeah. was very close to you. And I, I feel like there must have been some sort of transformation to go from five years ago, Tim, to father, leader, business owner, Tim. So could you just right. walk through like some of the biggest inflections that you have both either learned or seen coming into fatherhood? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So first of all, it's been, yeah, four years. So October 2017, I met you at the go-karts and mini golf or mini golf course, which indeed, I think that you were the adult in that situation, but anyway, we're not, we're not here to unpack that, but uh, yeah, I mean, man, what a question. How do like, where do you even start? I mean, it's a great question. Um, but yeah. When I saw you last, uh, my wife and I were, well, what we were trying, right. To, to have a little one um, had a little bit of, well, we hit a hiccup that summer just before I came to see you, we had a miscarriage, unfortunately, but um, but you learn, right. You learn a lot from that, uh, as far as emotions and stuff like that. Um, I'm just trying to think about, about where to start, but I mean, you're right. So I have a niece that is going to be, she's 20. Um, and I lived with her for six years. Yeah. 20. Right. Now, when did that happen? Uh, cause you haven't seen her since probably 2012. So she would have been 11 at the time. Um, but I was really lucky because I was going to university at the time and um, I lived with her for about six years while I was doing that and got to have a front row seat to that and build a really special relationship with her. And, and um, yeah, I think it, like it, it just happened by being present. Right. I mean, I know it's super cliche and it's almost like too easy of an answer, but it's just, you know, it's just, what can we do together? Right. What can we go do together? And it was simple as stuff like hockey games, going out for dinners, um, you know, basically anytime the people that were in charge of her care would let me do things with her, I would, I prioritized it. Um, and I learned a few things from that experience. The first is that if, if you prioritize being able to have those experiences, um, as much as you can, when you can, uh, then I think that one of the things will happen is that you'll have a, a, a deep amount of trust and influence without having to like pull your hair out and just like scream and yell and, no, it's just there's influence because you're just close, right? And so the the things that you do naturally, the good things that you do will rub off on them um, just by virtue of leading by example and just being around you. Um, because I don't remember any time, I mean, granted, I wasn't her parent, but I don't remember any time having to just like go crazy to to tell her anything or getting even in getting angry, frankly, never. It was just, we just did stuff. Um, and I think that was one of the takeaways there. The other takeaway was that I'm really, really glad that I had a chance to be close with her like that as her uncle during those years, because as we talk about the transition from being, you know, a highly involved uncle, probably more than your typical uncle going into being a dad. One of the things that it really helped me with, uh, when I became a dad is a simple understanding. And this is a really helpful little thing that helps me stay in the moment when, it can be tough is that I immediately understood as soon as our daughter was born that 
Today is going to be the only day that is just like today. And what I mean by that is that your kids learn something new every day. They're never the same person twice. I mean, yeah, they're always the same person with specific traits, but it's just if, if I guess it's just appreciation for the fact that, it, and it's a super cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason, is that if you blink, you're going to miss it. And today is the only day that'll be just like today. And, you know, there might be times when your kids have big emotions, but I guarantee you that five years from now, you'll look back on that and you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened. And, and there are things that you're going to miss about those days. So I can remember there are times when you might think, oh, I, I can't wait until they're a little bit more independent. And it's like, yeah, you can, you can wait. Just it's to like, to see how quickly my niece grew up in 20 years. And I never remember even feeling this way with her or ever thinking, Oh, I just wish that this was different or being flustered or frustrated. I was just happy to be around her. Um, but seeing how quickly that happened and thinking about, you know, all those things that have happened in those 20 years and how, how quickly it's gone that today is the only day that's going to be like today. And it's going to happen so fast, so fast. So it's easy to be frustrated, but remembering that really helps you just stay in the moment really helps you focus on what's important when those kids need you to show up. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I, I love that because it's very tactical. Um, and it's very like you can do it in the moment um, because we do things to sort of bolster our nervous system. Those of us who need it, things like meditation and journaling and stuff totally. like that. But mm-hmm. to have something uh, intellectual to start with, which is like, yeah, you're never going to get this today. And I tell my kids every day before school, say like, today's the only day that you get today. So like, you might as well make it good, right? And there's always that understanding that you could, with presence in the moment, almost stretch each moment. Um, I've heard it say to infinity. It could be eternal in each moment if you're paying enough attention. And that, if you can't really feel that, but you can get close, it's monumental to just sit in that moment with your kids. And I feel that a lot with my youngest right now. Oh, I'm sure you do. Cause you've, so, Hey, talk about kind of like a similar trajectory, right? Cause like, uh, let me think George, your oldest would be nine. Now, just, just nine? about nine, eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, now you have your youngest, that's a year and a half old. So, you know, your, your understanding of time and how quickly it goes, I bet you it's hyper aware again. And more Absolutely. so than it probably was when George was born. And I think that I think that um, you can totally be hyper aware when your first comes about that. But, you know, like even if you're already at level 10, but the thing is that simply by going through that experience once every time, it's going to ratchet up even more, right? So you might have people that understand that at the level of a five or whatever, and it's going to ratchet up for them. But it doesn't matter. I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter how or when you do it is that that awareness always gets heightened as you have more time with as being a dad, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those, those hard things to, to, to take in is that, you know, as you get the experience, you become so much better and you go like, why did I do that? Why did I waste my time? And there's this uh, conversation you sometimes have with yourself around things you ought to have done. And just to drop a reminder here that no matter what day it is, much like you said, you've never done this before. I yeah. have never had, you know, a eight and a half year old and however many days he is and a six year old and a one year old, and I've never been myself today. And so cut yourself some slack totally. and continue to try and try again. 
So, um, yeah. sorry. Have you ever, please. Go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, remember the scene in The Lion King where he's like dwelling on the past and Rafiki hits him on the head with a stick and tells him to stop? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, you don't learn anything from the past when you let yourself feel bad about it. Yeah. Like, uh, for instance, if you go golfing, right? And you walk up to the ball and you shank it. And you're golfing you, with me, I hear. <laughs> I was going to say the same the other way, but I... Yeah, but because uh, you, yeah, I'm not good. But if you walk up to that ball again, just thinking about how you're not going to shank it again, what's going to happen? Yeah. I think I think you too has a song about it. You get stuck in a moment that you can't get out of, right? So it's funny how people always go back to the past and they dwell on it. Um, it's human. It's what it is. It's, nobody should feel bad for doing this. We all do it. But um, when I think about that and i always do this is that when i've ever had people that work with me that do that i actually would make them come to my office and watch that scene from the lion king because you learn nothing from it by beating yourself up about it like you hit yourself and they have a stick the past can hurt now move on right and you can learn from it or you can dwell on it and if you dwell on it you're not going to move on from it so i don't know i'm sorry i interrupted you i just wanted to encourage people that feel that way um the other saying that somebody once said that really helps that is do your best and forgive yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. These are very um, almost simple reminders. And speaking as someone who can get stuck in those negative feedback loops, sometimes you do need to be hit in the head and realize that you're still in this present moment and uh, just get back in your body, take a breath, whack yourself with a Rafiki stick, whatever you need to do uh, to come back and continue to move forward. And it's so hard because in some cases we need to process, we need to heal, mm-hmm. we need to go there. And there's a risk of staying there, like you just said. Um, and I, I just love the focus on present moment awareness over and over and over again, whatever that it looks like, whether you need to watch, maybe you've got it in your your uh, bookmarks bar, the Rafiki YouTube video, or maybe you just you know say that thing that you suggested earlier, which is you're never going to get another day like today, just to have those easy um, reminders to keep you in the moment. I think that's super important. I'll, I'll send you a, a YouTube link for your show notes if you want. Oh, perfect. Yes, yeah. thank you. You may not want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can check the show notes at uh, dad.work slash podcast and watch the uh, Rafiki video to get you out of any negative funks you're in. <laughs> thank you, Tim. Hey. Um, so so I, a couple things coming up for me is that mm-hmm. one, um, I'd love to know more about sort of the transformation, you shared a little bit about that. And I think it's super helpful to have that um, 30,000 foot view, particularly with your niece. Um, But the other thing is I'm I'm wondering your comfort level talking about that experience with miscarriage, because that is very traumatic, I imagine. And I know it's not as rare as some people think. Um, So are you comfortable talking through sort of how that felt to you and how you move forward and got yourself into the present day to, to keep going? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, so first of all, for anybody who goes through that, um, one of the things that a lot of people do when that happens is they think, we're never going to have a kid. I did something wrong. My body is not working right. Something wrong with me. Um, all of these things come to your mind. And I can't remember what they told us when it happened, but the first thing they told us was the statistics, right? And none of us should ever feel like we're just a statistic. And it's not to say that. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that this experience is so incredibly common. 
so incredibly common. I know lots of people it's happened to. And, and so for anybody who's going through that, the most important thing to remember, first of all, is that this is not the end. It is not the end. Like this is not how this story will end. If, and, and I get it. Like I, we're very lucky in that we were people that were able to have kids and, and there are people out there who this happens to. And it's part of the fact that they can't have kids as easily. So, I mean, my heart goes out to people who are, who are going through that, but even for, for them, it's not the end, right? It's um, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I just, the biggest thing is that it's a tough thing for people to go through because you start to doubt yourself and what you can and can't do. And for anybody who's going through that, they just need to know that it's not necessarily an indictment on how this is going to end, no matter how easy or difficult these things may be for you. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing I remember is going to hospital and, and being up for about 36 hours straight. And I mean, whatever happened um, there for me it was not nearly as tough as it was for my wife, obviously. Um, but I remember the, you know, just a month before, just the joy that we felt um, because a month before it happened, we were at maybe two or three weeks before it happened. We're at Wrigley field and uh, in Chicago on vacation. And uh, some of the people we were with had figured out that, you know, cause we hadn't, we hadn't told anybody yet because you know how those first three months can be the months where that happens and that's what happened. And so, and people, but the thing is that people were beginning to figure it out. And so it was bringing us more joy to think about that we were going to become parents and all this stuff. And then we found out that we wouldn't be today. And so I took a couple of days off. Um, um, I remember my boss's response was not really ideal. And so I just ignored him and turned off my work phone. Uh, and we were just, we just spent some time together and worked our way through it. I mean, there was, I, I, I can't look at you, Kurt, and say there is some sort of secret magic recipe as to what we did or how we dealt with it. We were just there. We are just there. You know, You're just there. Yeah, we just we just spent time together and and just you know had time to think about. All right, we're gonna do this again, and and sure enough, it didn't take very long. Didn't take very long. By the end of that year, or so about five months later, we knew that our, our oldest was gonna be on the way. So, but yeah, I mean, it's not easy, but I think I think I think that it's a situation where that that saying that today is the only day that's gonna be like today applies again. And we did our best and now we forgive ourselves. And, uh, mm. yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know how else to put it, but that was the biggest thing. That was the biggest thing to remember. Yeah. I love the, the flow of that. We did our best and we forgive ourselves. Um, so I just want to touch on one thing in there has spending a couple of days, what sounds like grieving basically, which is such a necessary part of this. Mm -hmm. um, I can only imagine. And, you know, it's, it's the way that many men are brought up to not have those feelings and to bottle them down. And so um, even to hear that you took a couple days to spend time together to just to be um, is such an important lesson. I think in this whole story um, to take the time to grieve and be in it so that you can work through it. Um, and I just, I want to honor you for actually taking that time. So thank you for sharing. Hey, that. hey thanks. No, but you're right. I mean, people owe it to themselves and their families to do that. So. All right. Yeah. So, so I want to maybe ask one more um, question around your parenting, which I really enjoyed uh, talking to you about a couple months ago. And it was the idea of apologizing 
oh, yeah. children when yes. you screw up. And I think this is such an important lesson. And I do this too. And I've heard some of the parents that I admire most do this. And it's not done very often. So could you just walk us through what apologizing to your daughter looks like and why you do it? Okay, for sure. Yeah. So here's, okay, so talk about a principle that applies to work and home. And it boils down to this principle is two-way accountability. So if I were to go into the workplace and ask people who believes in being accountable to one another, and, and frankly, most homes and most relationships, everybody's going to put their hand up, right? Oh, of course, we got to be accountable to each other. Every leader is going to put their hand up. But what most of them don't realize that they're doing subconsciously is that, especially from the realm of leadership and management, they're putting their hand up because they think that that reinforces the fact that people are accountable to them. But if you want people to be accountable to you as a leader or even as a peer, and now bearing in mind, I also don't really think that the term leader should be confined to positions on an org chart. I think everybody in an organization must be a strong leader. Um, but as, as somebody's boss, which is a word I don't like, but uh, for lack of a better term, it's a common word. If you want people to be accountable to you, you need to be accountable to them just as much as you expect them to be accountable to you. Why? It's because it's leading by example. You're exhibiting the behaviors that you want people to exhibit to you. So if I made a mistake, I would apologize to somebody for it. So here's a work example. If, if we had a conversation that I didn't think that we were actually getting anywhere on, um, I would probably go back to my office. Now, it would never be, I never, I've never really had any giant dust-ups with people. It just doesn't really, it just doesn't happen. Um, but sometimes you can tell, like you can feel like there's just, they're saying one thing and I'm comprehending something else. And so there's kind of like some unspoken tension, despite the kindness and politeness and courtesy of the conversation. And so sometimes you just, you do your best and you get back to your office and you realize, wait a second, I could have showed up a little bit better in that conversation. And maybe that's why we didn't get what we needed, or maybe we couldn't, we didn't reach a final understanding. You go back to them and say, you know what, I'm really sorry about that. You know, we didn't. I don't think I brought myself to the conversation properly and I would like to try again, if that's okay with you. People really respect that. And, or even just like take away the personal stuff, but an actual like mistake and a task, right? Somebody requests maybe some time off a vacation, what have you. And, you know, generally my standard is that I try to get you an answer within a few days. I don't think that people should be forced to wait weeks for things like that. Or, but what if something happens? Maybe you're out of town um, maybe you're, you forget, you're disorganized that day. Because uh, no matter how organized you are, you'll have a day where you're just not as organized as others. And going up to that person and just saying, you know, I'm sorry about that. That's not my standard, and I'm going to look at it for you right away. Um, by being able to do that, when things go wrong, um, they're going to let you know as well before you find out. Before you find out the long way and the hard way. Like, like one team that I was... Um, I was supporting as their manager for about five years by the end of it. I mean, it didn't take very long for them to see that when I had that. Um, it was like, I was like, my office became like a confessional booth, right? Like, like it just, like, it was just like, I'd be like, Oh man, like uh, you're all such great Catholics, just like confessing everything. Right. But it's true. Like they would, they felt comfortable being accountable to me about mistakes they made. And because, because they had done that, I didn't have to sit there and fish and just like, and because they knew that I was going to give them room to make those mistakes so long as they were willing to 
um, you know, learn from them and admit them meant that they made less of them. Right. Um, and so it, it really, really helped. Um, so yeah, so when I think about how it goes at home, right? So I think when you and I talked that situation, we I had a night where my oldest daughter, sometimes she doesn't sleep very well. Like she'll like be up for three or four hours at night. And most nights when that happens, you know what? I am just so happy to spend time with her that I don't really care about how tired I am the next day. Um, it just doesn't matter to me. Like it's just because a lot of fun things happen. She says funny things. She's only going to say it when she's this age and it's a fun situation to be around. But on this particular night, I just felt so overwhelmed um, because I hadn't yet made the decision to go full time into my business. So, I mean, so you're just thinking about all the things you have to juggle. And um, throughout this particular transition, you know, one of the things that has been sacrosanct, for lack of a better term, is the time I spend with my girls every day. Like it's that's non-negotiable. I don't care how busy things are. It's non-negotiable. This time is theirs and it will be theirs every day. Um, so despite all that, you're still thinking about she's not sleeping. I have a lot to do at my day job. I have a lot to do at my night job. And you're just like, I just need you to sleep. But at the same time, you're having a hard time not being happy because she's just so funny. Um, and what happened was, is that I never let her see my frustration. I've always been really like, even inwardly, if I'm just like, come on, I'm just kind of like, I'm listening to her and I'm agreeing with her or talking to her, but letting her know, but it's time to sleep now. And so I've often said that you should never show your frustration uh, to the people that, that are like, like the people that you see on the front line, stuff like that. Same thing in a customer service role. If you need to like rant about like a customer or something like that, then go to the back and rant or write it in a book or whatever. So I needed to get her some milk. And so I remember just being so tired that as I was pouring her the milk, I just was out of energy to do anything properly. So I poured it and I opened the fridge and I just threw the milk curtain in the fridge and just like shut the door and I went back. And it was probably like the most frustrated I've ever been. And, and yet I wasn't like ragey. It was just like, I'm just throwing this milk in there. I'm just tired. Like I've just had enough. And the next morning after I woke up, I just, I told her, I said, Hey, you know what, dad was a little frustrated last night and I'm really sorry about that. And to some people would be like, but she's not even three. Like she doesn't even know what you told her. But I said, you know, if I want her to have a standard of behavior that she'll be as imperfect at as I am, you know, I need to be accountable to her for that standard of behavior too. It's leading by example. If I want her to have that self-awareness, I need to have the same self-awareness. It's just, it's non-negotiable if you want that result yeah that's amazing yeah. i love that you shared that i was super yeah. excited to realize where you were on your fatherhood journey when you did share that with me i was like oh yes he's one of one of us <laughs> i hope so yeah yeah, yeah. So, so um i know we're coming up on time here sure. is there any one maybe parting tip philosophy insight that you've had as a father that we haven't got to that you think is important to share I would just, I wouldn't want to muddy the waters with too many different things to think of. And I just think that, you know, the most important things that you can remember is that it's the most important leadership job that you can have, period. You want to make sure that your family doesn't get the crumbs. Um, and you know what? Just forgive yourself when it's not your best. And admit it. Because it'll happen a lot less and you'll have a lot more peace of mind. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Excellent and very succinct. Yeah. How about yours? 
put me on the spot. Oh yeah, my you've been goodness. All the questions. But, this isn't fair. It, you know what? My mine uh, fall into my recently developed uh, fundamentals of conscious fatherhood, which is a thirteen point list that I have sort of broken down into um, into a way that I have been finding useful that I'm going to share. Uh, but I think it really comes down to doing the work on yourself. I mean, the the podcast and the the business is called Dad Work because it's men work, men's work for dads. That means healing your wounds. That means being accountable to people. That means apologizing. That means finding a group of men, like you just said, when you're frustrated that you can rant to, because a lot of guys only have their wives and they just, like you said, they, they muddy that water as well when they could go out and be doing the work with other men uh, in a men's group. So yeah, it, for me, it comes down to, to become a better parent, you have to become a better man. And that means sorting your own shit out. So that, that I guess is, is number one, which, which the whole, this whole project is based around. So where can people find you to learn more? I know that the, uh, interviewing, uh, business and the placement business might be actually very useful to a lot of people. Uh, so where can people find you? Yeah, for sure. So my, thanks for asking by the way. And, um, the website is bestinterview.ca. Um, we are like, I am undergoing a rebrand with the business. And as that happens, there will likely be a new uh, name and website for it, but we're going to keep that domain to make sure that anybody who goes to bestinterview.ca can find us. Nice. So that's the easiest way. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Tim, thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights with us. It's been a joy. Yeah. Thanks. I had a lot of fun. Really appreciate the chance. All right. We'll see you on the flip side. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dad.work slash pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better man, a better partner, and a better father. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.